This. Hey, I'm a peacock. You gotta let me fly. This is the Rich Eisen Show. That is it. North Carolina will go to the final four. Peacocks don't fly. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. I know I'm great. But let me just express to everybody out there who does not root for Duke. It is a wild watch. Today's guests from NBC Sports, Peter King, host of Peacock's Pro Football Talk, Mike Florio, CBS Sports broadcaster, Ian Eagle, and now, it's Rich Eisen. Alrighty then, welcome to this edition of the Rich Eisen Show, here on a rainy Los Angeles Monday, so pray for us, because people do not know how to drive in this weather around here. 844-204-RICH is the number to dial here on this very busy Monday. We say hello to our Peacock audience, NBC Sports on Peacock. We say hello to our NBC Sports audio, Sirius XM audience on Channel 85, the Rich Eisen Show terrestrial radio network audience, coast to coast. Anybody listening on Odyssey with their streaming ear gate, uh, we appreciate your listenership. And then, of course, our podcast listeners, whenever they darn well please, you can get our podcast every single day all three hours on the Cumulus Podcast Network or where every single podcast can be acquired. You can't miss us, so check us out whenever you want. And there's our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Rich Eisen Show. That is, as our friend who precedes us every single day here on NBC Sports on Peacock and NBC Sports Audio, Sirius XM Channel 85 might say, and Fuego. So we appreciate everybody who hits that (laughs) subscribe button to our YouTube page. Um, DJ Mikey D, how are you, sir? Good to see you. I'm good. I have a single today. Yes, so you do. I'm, and I'm everybody who excited. sees us on NBC Sports on Peacock, <laughs> just smile and just look deeply into the audience and thank Chris Brockman for being in Mexico with his uh, lovely significant other and child. So uh, Brockman uh, with an empty chair, which is uh, quite a, quite an image. Um, I think he's also breaking up a fight somewhere, a slap fight. Um <laughs> That uh, happened here in Los Angeles, California. We'll be talking about that at length today. Good to see you, T.J. Jefferson. Hey, Rich. Light the candle. If you, if you told me that someone was going to get slapped at the Oscars last night and Fifty Cent wasn't involved, I'd have said no way. That's you no took way. you took the uh, you took the over on that. Is yeah, that what you're saying? I mean, yeah. Oh my gosh. All right. So we'll hit on all that here today uh, here on the Rich Eisen Show. And so the Final Four is set. Isn't it amazing that uh, we watch the tournament? for um, those shining moments, the multiple shining moments, and how, you know, it's a journey, and how everybody looks for Cinderella to to emerge, and we actually get one. We actually get one in the St. Peter's Peacocks, and Shaheen Holloway, who had us at hello the day after he busted up my bracket, beating Kentucky in the first round of the tournament. And a 15 seed makes it all the way to the Elite Eight, bouncing Murray State and Purdue in the process. You know? And it's just great to watch, and it's great to see these guys go as deeply as they go. And every single year we look for that. Loyola Chicago or Oral Roberts or UMBC bouncing Virginia, and that's the stuff that we talk about. Uh, Princeton, you know, uh, Tigers with Pete Carrill back in the day, right? And that's what we talk about in the the magical journeys. And this year, like I said, we got one in St. Peter's. But then the Elite Eight happened. And uh, everybody that was looking for a Cinderella story 
like uh, the Arkansas Razorbacks bouncing Duke or somehow, someway, Miami pulling off that run in its first Elite Eight appearance against Kansas. Could Houston, whose coach we spoke to last week and Kelvin Sampson talking about losing two players from last year's Final Four team in December, making it to back-to-back Final Fours against a Villanova team that just basically plays six. But it's tough to call Villanova a Cinderella story when they're ranked second and so recently dominant in this tournament. And then, of course, there's St. Peter's against North Carolina, which, you know, is maybe a Cinderella story because they're ranked eighth. They were seeded eighth and didn't have such a terrific regular season, but they're still North Carolina. And everybody turned into a pumpkin over the weekend. (laughs) And so here we now have a final four. We're set for a final four that may be the bluest of the blue bloods we have seen in quite some time. And I'm not talking about Carolina blue and blue devils and everybody's got blue in their logos. I mean, so there's blue everywhere, but it's the blue bloods. This is your final four folks. When it all comes down to it, we're looking for those Cinderella stories. You've got Kansas who's now with their win over the weekend they now are the winningest team in the history of college basketball. Correct. 2,354 wins all time. It's their 16th Final Four visit. Rock shot. Taking on a Villanova team that, again, as I mentioned, they are, are, are no doubt about it, you know, shorthanded, and they lost Justin Moore to a an Achilles injury that happened in the final seconds of the game. Villanova's won two of the last five titles. Okay. And in that span, they're 20 and three in the tournament. Think about that. 20 and three in the NCAA tournament in this span in which they've won two of the last five titles. 20. And so basically they're, they're averaging going to the final four. Yeah. Over the last several years. Four wins will get you to the final four. And then you've got Duke, the winningest coach in the history of the NCAA, now with 101 career tournament yep. wins, making his 13th final four, breaking the tie for most such appearances by a college coach with John Wooden. He now has 13 Baker's dozen, Mike Krzyzewski. Yeah. In his, by the way, first Final Four appearance, though, out of the West. He's now completed the, tri- the I guess, the Grand Slam of regional final yeah. wins. <laughs> Taking on UNC with the win over St. Peter's gives them the most tournament wins ever, 130 of those. And their 21st trip to the Final Four, most above any program ever. So you got the winningest coach of all time, the winningest program of all time, the winningest NCAA tournament program of all time, because North Carolina's got 130 of those. That's the most of all time. The program with the most Final Four trips of all time with against a coach who's got the most Final Four trips of any coach of all time. And Hubert Davis of North Carolina is the only coach in the Final Four who's not in the Hall of Fame. Bill Self's in it, Krzyzewski's in it, and Jay Wright just got in it. 
That's your final four. Against the most successful program of the last five years. Correct. Yeah. So this is like we're they're just hitting the penthouse button. They're just going straight. They're going on that elevator that goes straight to the top. Yes, indeed. And then, though, on top of it, for cherry on top, is the first ever Duke UNC meeting in the history of the NCAA tournament. It's never happened before. Both teams have made a Final Four together before 1991, but they didn't face each other. It's the first time they're facing each other in the NCAA tournament, and not only that, it's in the Final Four and can be the last game of Mike Krzyzewski's career. So Carolina can not only add to beating Duke and Coach K in his final Cameron indoor appearance, they could just end the whole thing now again, which you can't make up. This is akin to, I'll just, you know, it's obvious, Packers-Bears in an NFC Championship game, Yankees-Red Sox in an ALCS. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, what, Eastern Conference Finals between Celtics and Sixers? Celtics-Sixers, yep. Right? I mean... This is, this is, we're entering... Bad blood, <laughs> hatred, hatred, long-standing rivalry territory. In a Final Four, whole country's going to watch, and it could be Mike Shashevsky's last game. Just end it. We not for Carolina to basically say to Duke fans, we not only ended Coach K's tenure in Cameron Indoor by spoiling the complete party and having him bark at the audience on his day in front of ninety-plus returning alums, but. We're also going to see in the Final Four, and we'll just end it entirely. We'll just wrap it up. And then, of course, Duke can somewhat, you can't erase what happened in Cameron Indoor, but you kind of can basically say, well, when it all comes down to it. When it really mattered. When it really mattered to keep Coach K's career going one more game into the Final for them the right to cut down a net to wrap it all up and send him off into retirement with the ultimate. They got this done. I, I Honestly, Kansas versus Villanova is an outstanding matchup. It's going to be a great game. But it's the undercard. Oh, no doubt. <laughs> we have a definite It event. is the undercard of all undercards. You know, like it, it's, it's an amazing story, something that deserves everything to talk about. It is a long, long time coming for, you know, fans, I guess, of anybody who's been wanting to see this matchup in a way, I guess. But might, might, might be a lot of those. But just in terms of worthiness, people are into it, should be talked about, but won't be. Villanova versus Kansas is essentially Questlove winning his Oscar. <laughs> But nobody's really talking about that because of the bright, shiny other object. Questlove couldn't even really talk about it. We'll talk about that later on. But that's just my two cents on how it all went down in the Final Four over the weekend. Iron Eagle, who called St. Peter's UNC, and is just fantastic. He's so great. Also, voice of the Brooklyn Nets as the Eastern Conference And the NBA season is coming to a crescendo. He will join us in hour number three.
We've got two football guests on the brain here today. Why not? Because football is uh, is our passion. And the owners meeting begins today. All 32 teams and all 32 owners and all 32 general managers. Most are all there. Actually, Mike McCarthy's not there for Dallas. He stayed back to do other things. He's got some scouting. <laughs> Is that what he's doing? He's grinding tape. You know, he's watching plays. He's grinding all th- of all of all of every one, of every game every that the game. Cowboys have done. But he's not there. Well, he's um, got more important things. Than and uh, Uncle Jerry's there, right? Mm-hmm. Well, he is indeed he, there. He's represented. And so, um, you know, the big news coming out of the owners' meeting is going to be whether they change the overtime rules. You know how I feel about it. I say leave it. And if you're going to mess with it, just we, – we, we have hashed it all out. We have an idea. I don't think it's going to – it's not in front of the membership. There's only two overtime rules that will be placed in front of the membership, which is what they call the owners. And um, one I don't think has a shot in hell of passing, and another one might – the one that doesn't have a shot in hell of passing is the Titans' idea that once overtime is played, first team scores a touchdown in order to wrap it up completely and not give the other team a chance, which is what we're trying to fix. They have to go for two. And if they make it, it's over. Problem is, if they go for two and don't make it, the other team has a chance to match mm-hmm. and just kick a few, an extra point and win it. So what team is going to actually take the ball go down the field, and go for two just to wrap it up. The Ravens. Well, I mean, the Titans might do it too. (laughs) But even if the Chiefs had done that against the Bills, because, again, we all know this is the impetus of trying to change the rule, is because we saw a dynamic matchup of two of the best quarterbacks this league has had to offer against each other in a playoff game in a long time, and one of them in Josh Allen didn't get a shot to win it. Because their defense, their you know, coach and special teams didn't squib it with 13 seconds to go, gave an extra opportunity and snap to the Chiefs, who took it and went down the field, kicked a field goal, forced overtime, won the coin toss, went down the field, scored. Josh Allen staring at space, and the Bills lose. See, and we said, don't change anything. Next week, next week. The Chiefs in the AFC Championship game are in overtime again. It's the opponent that forced it, coming back from 18 down. They win the coin toss, get the ball first, and the Bengals stop them, pick them off, win the game. Chef's kiss for all of us out there saying, don't change it. Very next week, the coin toss didn't decide it. It was the Bengals that decided it with their defense and their hot kicker who didn't miss in in the playoffs. So... I don't like that idea at all. I think it's too gimmicky. I know owners won't go for it. Anything's too gimmicky, they won't go for it. Which is, again, the the um, idea that we also like, that you instead of an onside kick, you give a, a team an option to go for it one time from their own, what, 30-yard line or something like that, or 40-yard line, a fourth and 15, one shot to try and get 15 yards to try and get the ball back. Love that idea. Owners are like, pound sand, get out of here. <laughs> You know, send that to our, our football-loving wrestling <laughs> friends. You know, that's, that's, that's nonsense. The other idea is the Colts and the, um, and the Eagles have gotten together and said, well, just, just go ahead and 
Make sure both teams touch it. I have a problem with that because now you're not going to want the ball to start overtime. You're going to want it second. You want to know what you have to match. And the other team who gets it first is going to be a hell of a lot more, you know, careful or risk averse than the team that knows I have to score a touchdown. So I'm going to go for it on fourth down from my own 20 yard line like I'm playing a video game. Which is something the team that gets the ball first will not have the benefit of doing. They're going to have to play it straight. And then once they get inside the 15-yard line, maybe just have to settle for your three. And then the other team who gets it second is going to have the opportunity. There's so many unintended consequences. I don't like it either. Just keep it straight up. Like Mike Tomlin wants. This is what the coach of the Steelers said today. Because, again, all AFC coaches speak today. All NFC coaches who are at the owners' meeting speaks tomorrow. This is what Tomlin had to say about this, and he's very influential with the uh, competition committee. To be quite honest with you, I'm a sudden death advocate. I'm a traditionalist. I don't fear sudden death, and I never have. Uh, but obviously, I lost that battle a decade ago. <laughs> but my position remains unchanged. <laughs> I am one of the few sudden death advocates, I would imagine. He's just like, screw it. Uh, you beat my defense, go down the field. He's, he is the embodiment of the idea, if you want to make sure you do not lose merely because the team that is starting with the ball won a coin toss and has so much momentum. Don't forget about that, the momentum, that you still have the opportunity to stop them. Mm-hmm. If you call heads and it comes up heads to start overtime, guess what? Game doesn't end just because you got the coin toss right. You still have to score. And Tomlin's like, I'll take those odds. I'll put my team out there. And a lot of fans might be like, yeah, well, that sounds ridiculous. Because how many times do we see a team just get the coin toss and go down the field? My two cents, don't touch it. But if you do, the one idea that we came up with through a caller is that you tie the opening kickoff coin toss to whoever gets the ball first whether you want it first or if you defer and give it to the team to start the game first if you get it first you then also get it to start overtime or if you want to even mess with yeah, it you, that you then have if you win the coin toss you get the choice you also get the choice to start in overtime whether you want the ball or not so there's nothing random about it except at the very beginning of the game And then you then know who's going to have the decision to either kick it off or keep it to start overtime in advance. I think people just get caught up on how random it is with the game on the line and being tied and everybody spilled their guts out on the field. Now the coin's in the air. I like that. That's our idea. Peter King is going to call in to talk about it. His uh, Football Morning in America column had a ton on this. And he seems to think that the general sense at the owners' meeting is that this is just going to pass. They're just going to say, screw it, both teams touch it, and we'll figure out how it works from there on out. But in the playoffs only, not the regular season. So it'll be something that gets popped open, uncorked, just in time for the playoffs. I don't like it. 844-204-RICH, number to Don. What do you think about all of this? We're off and running here on this Brockman list, much quieter than normal edition of the Rich Eisen <laughs> Show. 
We're back with Peter King in a moment right here on NBC Sports on Peacock and the rest of our Rich Eisen Show audience here on this busy Monday. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just... Find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. It's that time of year, people. Spring has sprung, and that means spring cleaning, or at least the partner in your life is demanding that you do it. Whether that means stocking up on cleaning supplies or swapping out your winter clothes for new spring clothes, make sure you're using Ibotta and get real cash back with every purchase. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. The average Ibotta user earns $256 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, that flight you've been eyeing, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Join the over 50 million users and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers. And right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 for just trying Ibotta by using the code Eisen when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use my code E-I-S-E-N. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use my code Eisen. Peter King is a great friend and uh, love when this man uh, has the time to call into this program. And he uh, joins us here on the Rich Eisen Show, Mercedes-Benz Vans phone line, fresh off of yet another must-read Football Morning in America column on NBC Sports and Pro Football Talk. Mike Florio joining us later. But right now, I say hello to Peter King on this Monday. How are you, sir? Hey, Rich. Everything's okay. How about you? I'm glad to hear that. Very much so. So let's just jump right into it because I'm fascinated by um, your column today and what you wrote about the overtime rule. And what do you think has a chance of passing once it's placed in front of the membership tomorrow, Peter? I think I think it's a pretty big mystery, Rich. But I think those, you know, I talked to one uh, top team executive who thought it was going to pass easily. Um, But, uh, and the rule, obviously, that we're talking about is each team getting one possession in overtime minimum. And if after the second possession the game is tied, then starting with the third possession, it's sudden death. Um, And so the, the NFL, the I think most of the people on the competition committee are in favor of the rule being changed to that so that both teams would get a possession in overtime or be guaranteed a possession because in the 
10 years since the overtime rule uh, has been enacted, uh, essentially what has happened is there have been 12 games in the playoffs that uh, have gone to overtime. And in 10 of those games, the team that won the coin toss to start the overtime has won the game. Seven of those 10 games were won on the first possession of overtime. So Mm. in seven of those 12 games, uh, the other team, the the coin toss loser, never saw the uh, never saw the ball, and and so rich. But I think what is happening here is that over time, and look, I've been you know covering the league since the '80s, and usually what you find is that it's not very easy to get 24 owners to agree on anything. It's not quite not quite the current House of Representatives or the Senate (laughs) with the Republican-Democrat divide, but there's a little bit of that in here that uh, people need to be bashed over the head to uh, change a rule. So I'm not sure that there are 24 right now. And the two things that make me a little bit hesitant, number one, Roger Goodell has not stated his preference for this rule. Uh, He's kind of holding his cards close to the vest, hasn't said what he favors right now. Usually when he tries to push through a rule, it gets pushed through. Uh, And number two, I also think there are people who say, hey, look, it's not been a horrible issue in all games, including regular season games. It's only been bad in the playoffs. So why would we change a rule that uh, really has not been terrible during the regular season but just has been one-sided in the playoffs? And that's why my belief is that owners will do one of two things. They will either vote to change the rule for all games so that, uh, you know, in the regular season and postseason, uh, the rule will be changed so that both teams will get one possession, or they will withdraw the if they don't think they have the votes, the 24 votes to win that. They'll withdraw and they'll basically say, "Okay, let's attempt this year just to do it for the postseason, and then maybe try to do it again in the future." So that's kind of the way I see it going. Well, I mean. <laughs> Let's just, you know, hash this out, Peter, because the last time we, we, you know, any time a rule is proposed and it's changed, everyone talks about what are the unintended consequences that will mm-hmm. be born out of this rule change. And I'm just wondering if there might be some hesitancy on this rule change just merely because the last time there was a major to do born out of a playoff game that a rule change was uh, instituted. It was a total disaster in making instant re- uh, making uh, a reviewable play out of pass interference. And, right. and, and again, that's an apple and this is an orange that we're talking about, but still the idea is to make a rule change that is significant enough based on a playoff uh, moment and I'm just wondering, what are the unintended consequences that are being discussed? Because the way I at it, 
I wouldn't want the ball first now. You're basically giving anybody who gets the ball first in overtime, you're kind of flipping it. I'd want to know exactly what I need to do. And I want to know exactly what I need to do because I could be a hell of a lot more aggressive than the team that gets the ball first because of it, you know? So how does that fix anything? I I totally agree with you. I think that most teams, if both teams are guaranteed one a possession to start overtime, I think it could do a couple of things, neither of which is bad. Uh, Number one, it could, it could obviously, I think most teams will defer. Uh, yeah. Most, if not all, will defer because obviously, if you win the coin toss, theoretically you should get some small advantage. Theoretically, and that would seem to me to be that you would possess the ball second. I think the strategic things, rather than talking about unintended bad consequences, I think there are some cool strategic things. Number one. If let's just say that you win the toss and you defer, and so team team A now who gets the ball first, they score a touchdown and they say, okay, well, geez, we got we got Patrick Mahomes on the other side. So what we're going to do is we're going to head him off at the pass. We're going for two right now. So let's say they go for two and make it. So now Kansas City gets the ball, team B, and they have to go and score a touchdown and get a two-point conversion, and then, you know, the first team is going to get the ball back if indeed that's how it happens. But I think there's a lot of things that could happen if this rule is passed, but none of them are remotely as egregious um, in terms of basic fairness to say that, you know, in the last four years we have seen Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills be on the wrong end of the coin toss and not get a chance to touch the ball in overtime. And we have seen Patrick Mahomes against Tom Brady in 2018 not get a chance to possess the ball, even though Kansas City in that particular game was hot as a firecracker. And so those are the things that, in my opinion, Rich, are worse than any strategical things that would come about uh, you know, changing this rule. I hear you, Peter, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, so um, we heard Tomlin basically say. Here's a question. Here's a question. Uh, I, In the last 36 overtime games, the last 36, yes, the team that won the toss elected to receive the ball. The last time a team won the toss and elected to defer and to defend a goal was Mike Tomlin in 2019 when Duck Hodges was his quarterback and he was playing a great defense, the Baltimore Ravens, which is totally understandable. But 36 times in a row, the coin flip determined who got a huge advantage in a game, which is getting the ball first, and if you score a touchdown, the game is over. In my opinion, I don't understand why that isn't more, doesn't lend to more, I don't even want to say outrage, but the sense of unfair play and the the sense of influence that the the silly flip of a coin has on huge football games. Well, and and the silly flip of a coin that happens um, 
right after 60 minutes is played and blood and sweat and tears have been spilled and now we're we're in a whole different ball of wax strategically clockwise um yep. that the to- the toss is then is then done there the idea that one of the callers to this show peter came up with that i really dig a lot is that you tie the opening coin toss of the game to whether you get the decision to in, in overtime so if you win the opening coin toss and you defer you're giving the ball to start overtime to your opponent, you know, and 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 then you don't mandate both teams touch it and you play it out just the way it goes. And, you know, if you lose, it's just like, well, then you're the one who gave them the ball to start. And we've known that for three and a half real time hours. So we're not yeah. sitting there shocked at, oh, God, that just happened. It's just like, well, that's on you because you wanted to defer. You wanted the ball to start the second half. You've coughed that up and you just play it out. You know, because, again, I, I just find that we're just going to be moving the deck chairs. We're just going to be complaining about something else. Like, well, of course that team won because they knew they had to go for it. They had to go for it on fourth and three from their own 33-yard line, which the team that gets the ball to start overtime wouldn't have to do. Of course they're going to punt it and play for another day because they have the ability to, you know, the, the team that gets it second can play it a totally different way than the team that gets it first. I, I don't. That's why I don't like it. You know, like we're just going to be talking about something completely else. That's all. But what's more unjust? What is more unjust? What you saw happen to uh, when, when look, the defenses in the, in these two games that, that I bring up mostly. Yes. The Kansas city, new England, AFC championship game. And then the Kansas city, Buffalo divisional game. Yes. In both of those games, yes, you know, offenses have changed in football. Some of them are so incredibly overpowering that they have just beaten up the opposing defense the whole game. And so what happens is you get to overtime, and why do you think anything is going to be different? After Kansas City has scored 36 points against Buffalo, during regulation, how do you have any hope that Buffalo is going to stop them in overtime? I, I mean, and, and, and conversely, you know, do you, the Chiefs were getting track meted by Tom Brady, and and the and hey, look, and and so was uh, New England's defense by Mahomes. My only point in all this, and Rich, I don't mind that. Um, I don't mind that. Your your thought about the coin flip or whoever came up with that? Right. I guess I guess what I say is, you know how owners are. Right. People who get proposed something like that coin flip rule, they're just going to say, "That's ah, too complicated for me. I don't <laughs> want to deal with it," or "I don't oh. like it. I don't like it. It doesn't make sense. It's yeah. all this." All I'm saying is. We're going to argue about this stuff and what you like and don't like. And then, you know, so nothing gets done. And then there's going to be the same rule that prevents basic fairness in a football game, which is if it wasn't that big a deal, the coin flip, why have 36 coaches in a row all chosen to take the ball when they win the flip to start overtime? And and that to me is the madness. We're gonna we're gonna argue over all these various things instead of just saying, Okay, 
I don't love this one, but it's better than the current system. So let's let's at least get this one, and then let's try to see if we can get owners to see that, hey, the coin flip at the start of the game, that's going to dictate what could start overtime. So, you know, that's all I'm saying, that there can be all kinds of great ideas, but a great idea is not necessarily an idea that's going to pass muster with 24 of 32 owners. And uh, before I let you go, uh, Peter King, uh, part of your column was that the Browns owners aren't uh, really having rose petals thrown at their feet at the Breakers Hotel, right, upon their arrival for the owners' meeting I mean, right now? you know, I think everybody is going to be cordial to the Haslam's, uh, to Jimmy and D Haslam, uh, because they're cordial people. But I think that not only... Uh, are there a lot of owners and a lot of club people who think that it's gross to pay a guy the biggest contract in NFL history when he's got 22 civil cases involving sexual impropriety hanging over his head. And, you know, it's, it's also, I wouldn't say gross, but in the attempt to justify it, uh, you know, what... There is no justification. At least, look, I'm different than a lot of people in this. I don't think there's any justification for this. There are times in life when you say, gee, I'd love to have that bright, shiny object, but it costs $8 billion and there's something basically wrong here. Instead of saying, we'll give you $230 million, it'd be far better to say, hey, listen, let's see what happens when all these cases are adjudicated and if we lose you because of that if we if we don't get you then that's the way it goes but we would rather have our honor than uh than than make a business decision like this which there's not a soul in the world who can tell anybody that this is this is all going to turn out roses this is a risky play by the haslam's and by the cleveland browns we'll see how it goes but I just think there's a lot of people in the league who object, who think that it is it's amoral to have done this. And not just that. I, I, I mean, I'm just talking about as well that uh, you know, I'm sure Kyler Murray's uh, negotiation, whatever the the state of play was between he and the Cardinals, uh, that changed the minute every guaranteed dollar was was every dollar given to Deshaun Watson was guaranteed. I mean. Will we ever see a contract a, again a that's contract, not f- fully guaranteed, right? To have a, to have a contract given to uh, any player that is the greatest contract in NFL history, never mind one with the sort of Damocles hanging over Deshaun Watson's head, is incredible to a lot of people around the league. But you're right. He changed the business for all great quarterbacks in the NFL. There's no question about it. And I think what you're going to see, Rich, and I've talked to a couple of people about this, uh, I, I think you're going to see, because no one now is going to want to say, like your Patrick Mahomes, okay, we're giving you a 10-year deal and it's all going to be guaranteed. All these contracts now, I think, are going to be shorter because they're going to have to guarantee the money. Mm. And the guarantee system in the NFL, in case people don't know, is 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 a is real guarantee you have to put the money up and so that's 
No, you know, Clark Hunt is not going to say, hey, let's put $450 million (laughs) in escrow escrow for our quarterback. It's not going to happen. So I guess in the minute I have left with you, what's the quick snapshot of Baker Mayfield? I mean, what, you know, Kevin Stefanski said today, once it's done quick. So I keep thinking that, you know, what's standing in the way with with Baker Mayfield is he's got 18.9 million guaranteed, basically, if somebody picks him up or takes his contract. And why would he give up a dime of that? But if you're Seattle or you're Carolina or you're whoever, and you say, we don't even know if Baker Mayfield's going to be our guy beyond one year. You know, we don't we don't know that right now. We would prefer to spend, and I'm going to make this up. We'd prefer to spend, uh, you know, seven million on Teddy Bridgewater or, or or someone of that ilk. I mean, we don't we don't want to pay a guy nineteen million when we really don't have any idea if he's going to be our guy long term. So I think that is what's standing in the way of Baker Mayfield right now. Peter King, thanks for the time. Greatly appreciate it. You be well, everyone. Hey, no problem, Rich. Enjoyed it. Thank Take you. Care. Right back at you. At Peter underscore King. Everyone should check out his uh, his story. 844-204-RICH is the number to dial here on the program. When we come back, okay, let's get into it. I was watching the Oscars last night. <laughs> you were? Uh, dot, How was dot, it? Dot, dot, dot. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the sleep number smart bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show, 844-204-RICH, number to dial. All right, I'm watching the Oscars, watching it with uh, Zan, watching it with my older son. And um, Chris Rock comes out, and my first thought to myself as he's starting to make his jokes with Javier Bardem and Penelope Cruz, you know, that they're both up for an Oscar. (laughs) He can't win uh, the Oscar if his wife loses it. Like, that's kind of a funny sort of... uh, a husband-wife joke right there, you know? And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, this is the sort of hosting that I, this sh- I kind of miss from this show. And then he uh, makes a joke in the direction of Jada Smith, and as we all know, um, it was an awful joke, just terrible. And I think it was ad-libbed, if I had to 
Yeah. Yes, like he saw her. Yeah, and her, definitely not. And a as we all joke. know, she's battling with alopecia. Well, so she's now we all don't know that. Well, see, that's well, the thing. Okay. We know we now. Know, we didn't know that going in. He, so bottom, let's just, like, bottom line is okay. It is well known for a bunch of people, and you know he takes a shot at at, at her saying the GI Jane two. Looking forward to that, and that's a GI Jane uh, film is Demi Moore mm-hmm. with her head shaved yeah. and. You know, Will Smith laughs at the joke, and then we see his wife rolling her eyes. And then the next thing, Will Smith is walking up to the stage and slaps Chris Rock. And it, you heard a noise. And I thought to myself, was that just part of the gag? That's just a gag, right? As, he, as Will Smith goes back to his seat. And then anybody who works in live television knows when... A live broadcast dumps out is the phrase that's used in our business where the live broadcast has a five second delay in case there's a bad word that's said. So if you're ever watching a sporting event and all of a sudden the sound goes out, it's because somebody's heard a curse word Mm -hmm. and they dump out of the sound. But I've never seen dumping out of the sound and the video. They do both for the Academy Awards, Rich. Well, they do a video. I mean, Mike, obviously now. Yeah, no. I get it. They so, but I've, what I'm saying is, I've rarely seen this happen. And so, when you lose the sound, and then the pictures start getting funky, and then one of the shots that you see is Will Smith mouthing the words. And as a sportscaster, you've got to be a professional lip reader. <laughs> Mouthing the words, keep my wife's name out of your effing mouth. And then it cuts out as he's saying mouth. And then all of a sudden, they take Chris Rock, who's now looking off to the side saying, well, that's, you know, the greatest night in the history of television. Mm -hmm. And I sit there and I'm like, you know, Zan's like, what happened? And I'm like, I don't know. I think (laughs) Will Smith hit Chris Rock. (laughs) That was my reaction. I think he hit him. Why, Dad? And I'm like, well, he made a joke. And now I got to explain all this stuff, you know, which is the least of anyone's problems. But it's wild. And I just hit Twitter like, what just happened? Will Smith hit Chris Rock on international live television because what Twitter remarkably can do is. People turned around the Australian feed that didn't dump out of anything and the Japanese feed Japanese that didn't feed. dump out of That's anything. That's the one I got. And Will Smith sits back down and screams at Chris Rock, you know, keep my wife's name out of your effing mouth. And he's like, you know, wow. Like, you know, Will Smith just slapped the S out of me. And he's saying you know, it was a joke. And then Chris Rock So was here's like, the will. ultimate. Everyone's going to have an opinion on it. Here's mine. Okay. What's your got, show? Thank yeah. you. Yeah, here's mine. Here's mine. Here's mine. Awful joke. Terrible joke. Rude joke. Beyond the pale. Just falls flat. I don't know what's funny about it. You know, certainly since most people know he might not have known about her condition. Will Smith laughs at it and might have had one of those moments where, oh, my wife's not terribly happy about it. But for him to sit there in the front row auditorium of an Oscars auditorium and feel you know, comfortable enough to step up and hit him and sit back down is beyond the pale. And I take the point of view from stand-up comics. 
and stand-up comedy. I'm a former one, you know, from back in my day. I love comedy. I love stand-up comics. Stand-up comics to be good and successful and for you to go and put money down and enjoy it, you've got to take risks. You have to be risky. And despite how terrible that joke is, you can't go up and hit a comic in the face, slap him. I mean, what, if you're going to a comedy club, if you're a stand-up comic right now, you're sitting there thinking, when I go to a comedy club the next time, is somebody just going to step up and hit me because they don't like my joke or they think I'm, you know, you're heckling me or whatever and, you know, I make fun of your significant other? But that's definitely happened in random comedy clubs Dude, around but the country. This, but now yeah, this, this a bunch, if Again, comics are not happy today about this. No, they shouldn't be. And then, you know, his speech about being a vessel of love that happened a few minutes later when he wins the Oscar. It's just insane. Then he apologized to everybody but Chris Rock. And I understand you're saying he made fun of his wife, but this is uh, beyond the pale. Yeah. So I sat there thinking to myself, and I've heard from people who were in the auditorium where they thought it was a gag until he screamed twice, keep your wife's name out of my effing mouth Mm -hmm. and he won an oscar and unfortunately Questlove, what a moment for him to win the best documentary oscar that chris rock was presenting you know and everybody who's seen summer of so i didn't see a single damn thing for the oscars pretty much except for the short documentary audible about a uh, deaf football high school football team it's a beautiful uh short doc but for yeah i'm a fan of quest love and for him to win it nope nobody's remembering this it's because will smith slapped chris rock and then during will smith's acceptance speech the oscars logo pops up several times and i think it's because one of the williams sisters was suffering a wardrobe malfunction first i thought like ooh. My and eyes just, just went like, to Serena, and then the, like, the logo what, popped and up. Like, I was like, what? Is-? Right, and so, and then Liza Minnelli showed up with um, Lady Gaga to present the best, you know, picture award. My dad would have been so excited, because he was a big Judy Garland and Liza Minnelli and a huge Oscar. He would have been, right now, wherever he is, looking down, he is just like, what the hell happened last night? I would have gotten an earful from my dad this morning. Your dad loves Del Tufo's story. Yes, right. right. (laughs) But, you know, and so I was on the edge of my seat if Liza was going to read the right name or or what have you. For for an award show to have that happen is just nuts. I mean, hashtag Oscars so whacked (laughs) last night. And again... Will Smith, if he's got a problem with Chris Rock, just sit there, just shake your head no, Pull and go aside. seek him out yeah. afterwards and say, what is your malfunction? He's lucky Chris Rock didn't hit him back. Actually, some of the still photos have Chris Rock's right hand balled up in a fist. Yeah, I don't I, He could have hit him back. He exactly. could have. All of a sudden, think, you got a brawl on the stage of the Oscars. It's just like, what are you thinking? I don't, I don't think that would have ended well for, for Rock, but... I don't know, it's man. Just, I mean, it's hey, it's a horrible look. It's a horrible look. Hour number two in the books here on The Rich Eisen Show. <laughs> 